Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Deo Coaching Podcast with me, Alessia. Um, so, girls, women, ladies, guys, I <laughs> I was meant to be doing a podcast every week, and I didn't do that. I instead created a membership, but I am back now and I am focused and the podcast is on my priority list. So here I am and I'll be doing weekly episodes and I'm really excited to be getting back into it all. So what is the membership I hear you say? Uh, This is a membership that I've been working on for a good couple of years now, maybe a little bit longer. Um, And I just kept putting it on hold and then going back to it, putting it on hold and going back to it. And I do that a lot with things. And I think it's, I have this idea in my head and I feel this creativity within me. I then do what I can do with that idea. And then I pause it because I feel like my creativity or the universe doesn't want me to then carry on with that for now. It's just, yeah, that's what you had to do for this period of time go and do something else and then come back to it when you're ready. And literally that's how I work with so many things. So yeah, I have now got it. It's launched and it's an incredible community of women. I'm so, so proud of it. It's called the Butterfly Membership and it's all about women flourishing, blooming, becoming the best versions of themselves, becoming so confident and having such a positive mindset and being able to manage anxiety and any mental health that they have going on for them, being able to have healthy relationships in their life, being able to learn to love who they are, being unapologetically themselves and creating the life that they always have dreamt and desired and if they're not quite sure what that is then they get clarity on that and I've put so much into this so what happens is every month it's a different theme you get your very own dashboard we also have a community as well on Facebook which is a private group and on your dashboard which is your own login um, you can do it whenever you have um the capacity to do it and I have coaching videos on there each month I have meditations on there we have a workbook affirmations journal prompts I do coaching in the Facebook group I do go live uh, for a Q&A as well so there's so much in there and you also get me as your port of call so you get me as the person you can turn to if you have any questions or if anything comes up for you there's so much value in this and I'm really proud of it so for June, only for June, it'll never be this price again. It is £5.55 to join. I will pop the link in the show notes for you so you can go and have a look. Um, and then from next month onwards, it'll be £11.11. So for £5.55, that's literally like a large Starbucks. So to me, it's invaluable. Like, investing in yourself and saying yes is what creates success and what creates happiness in you and I feel like by saying yes to this membership you will be starting a journey that will be invaluable to you that will have a long-term incredible effect on your life so that's what I've been working on that's what's launched and I cannot wait to see you guys in there today's episode is about relationships now if you don't know already, then um, I will give you a bit of a background. I, at the age of 19, I got into a, an abusive relationship. It was physical, it was coercive control, and it was psychologically, well, <laughs> an absolute show. Um, and I was with that person for seven months. I was so naive, I think, and I just 
did not know anything about domestic abuse at all. That term, I don't even think I really knew about that term either. Like, all I would know is physical abuse that happens, that's not great um, at all, and that's it. That's literally my knowledge. And it's shocking, really, that at that time, which was, what, God, I'm 38 now, so, what, I was 19. At that time... It just wasn't something was that was discussed. It wasn't something that you would see or read or have knowledge about or know anyone that had gone through it. You just wouldn't. I mean, I didn't anywhere. I don't know about you guys. And I went into this relationship not knowing um, about domestic abuse at all. And I knew something wasn't right because the first time that something happened was when I was out... Firstly, he would control what I wore, but he would do it in a very, he would do it in a way where basically I would be dressed up and then he'd go, oh my God, you like such a slag. And it would just be a comment like that. And I'd, I'd be taken aback and I'd be like, what? And then he'd go, yeah, you look, you look like a slag. You need to change. And I would, and I, and I would at that age, I literally was like, oh, oh God, right. Yeah, no, I don't want it like that. And then I'd go and change. And he would very much be with me all the time. And when we went out um, on this occasion, this was actually, I think, the first time we went out with his friends. We went out and it was my friend's birthday and I was going to be going to see her as well. He would not let me leave him and his friends. We had to sit in the pub for ages and my friend was texting me going Leslie we're all waiting for you we can't wait to see you and I'd be like yeah I'm on my way but I was in town I just wasn't allowed to go because he was controlling me and he was making sure that I was right there and he could tell me what to do uh, when to do it etc finally we went and joined my friends ages later like a good two three hours later and I was so happy to see them and somebody that I knew who was a man was there and I was like oh my god because I hadn't seen him for ages and I gave him a hug because that's what I'm like and I think that's absolutely fine next thing I know is he was he he, so, so I broke my arm when I was seven my right arm so it's really weak and there was a lot of damage to it a lot of nerve damage so it can it can really hurt he grabbed my elbow on my right arm squeezed it and pulled me back away from all of them. And I was like, what? He then took me out of that place. And he was livid with me. His friends followed him. And I walked up the road behind him. Because he was just livid. I just didn't know what to do. But I was scared. And I felt I had to follow him. I was stuck, basically. Like, what do I do? And... Some of this, though, is like there are parts that I have forgotten and I have done that a lot with a lot of the trauma that I've gone through and I think that's just the way that my mind has processed it to be able to cope with it. Um, so anyway, we, we got round the corner and he was that angry. He picked up a bin from outside a shop. Like, you know, you get those industrial massive wheelie bins and he just threw it <laughs> towards me. Um, I think I was just scared. I was confused. I just didn't understand it. And one of his friends said to me, 
oh, don't worry, it's just because he's had too much to drink. You know, this isn't what he's like. Like, excusing the behaviour. So I was like, oh, 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 okay. And then his friend was then saying to him, punch me, punch me, don't do it on her, do it to me, punch me. I was like, what? And I was just, I was so gone. Literally had no idea what was going on. I don't remember then what happened. I just know that I went home um, and he gaslit me to make me believe that it was all my fault. I should not have done that. Um, I ruined his night, blah, blah, blah. And he called me everything you can imagine. This relationship went on for seven months. And during that time, there were loads of things that happened. Absolutely loads of things. There was one occasion where I went to go and get a new contract phone. He insisted on coming with me because as per usual, he'd have to come with me everywhere and control what I was doing. Um, we drove there, parked up, and in this mobile shop was one of my friends, and he um he worked there and I and you know he knew the good deals. So I went there with with my partner at the time. We got there. My friend was like, look, go with this deal, this deal's amazing. And I was like, oh my god, that sounds such a good deal. Yeah, definitely. Whereas my partner was like, no, go with this deal. Because I didn't go with my partner's deal, I went with my friend's deal, that was it. He did the thing with my elbow again um, held on to me and I wouldn't say, he didn't drag me where I was like on the floor, but he was holding my elbow tight, squeezing it and making sure I was close to him and like pulling me along with him, if that makes sense. And we got to his car, we sat in the car and he went mental. And I don't know if I'm allowed to use that term, but he did. He went mad. He was pretending to punch my face, but then would brush past my face and punch the dashboard, the window. He punched my seat. He pulled my hair. He spat on me. He went crazy, absolutely gone. I remember I learned to cope with it by shutting down. And I would do that to protect myself um, and then what I remember doing was I turned to the left and I was looking whilst he was having a go at me and there were these girls in a car and they were parked up nearby so they could see everything and they were looking and they had these shocked expressions on their faces and I mouthed to them help and they didn't and you know I'm not gonna get mad about that I mean it's I think especially them days it was very much like you don't get involved in other people's business. And actually, to be fair, I hear a lot of that even now and it makes me really cross because do you know what? We need to be involved. We need to help everybody out in this community because there is so much shit going on. There is so much abuse and sadness and people are desperate and people need people to be a voice for them sometimes. So I do wish those girls did something and said something, but they didn't and that's fine. So just to give you an idea of certain things that he did. And anyway, lots of stuff happened. In the end, I ended it with him and then he stalked me for nearly four years. In that time, the police did absolutely nothing. And I found out later on that he actually got sectioned. Um, <laughs> not after he was with me, before he was with me, like a few years before. Um <laughs> And I just think, oh my God. And then years and years and years later, when I worked as a family sport worker, a police officer that I was doing some work with, he said, um, because we were in a house and unfortunately this person knew that ex-partner of mine. So that was really triggering for me. And I was like, oh my God, my God, what happens if he ends up turning up? Anyway, the police officer could see that I was upset 
and said to me, is everything all right? I explained it to him really briefly and he said, oh my God, you're that girl. I said, what do you mean? And he said, we all knew about you in the police station and you're like a case study for us to learn from. <laughs> you know, you're just like, am I hearing this right? Uh, what? Uh, and yeah, basically they realised they were at fault, they did nothing and that there was such a huge risk of me being killed by my ex-partner and the police did absolutely nothing to protect me. Um, I had no domestic abuse charity support me. I had nothing at all. I They never even used the term domestic abuse and stalking at that time was not illegal. It was just horrific. Uh, the stalking was absolutely... I can't even put it into words. It was one of the most traumatic experiences of my life. And he sent me a funeral wreath of my picture in it saying RIP. He tried to take me away in his car. He would follow me in different cars. He'd watch my house and he would hire different cars or he'd borrow friends' cars. He'd follow me to work. So in the end, I had to be taken to work. Um, It was horrific. He would send me riddles of how he's going to kill me. It just went on and on and on. And then it would be like, it paused for like a month. And I think, I I think he's finally stopped. But that's because he had a different supply. Then when that supply would stop, he'd then come back to me. And it just was horrific. So that was my first experience of domestic abuse. I then went on to work with women who were in domestic abuse, uh, who were living in a domestic abuse situation or had experienced it. And I felt really passionate about supporting these women and that passion really grew within me and I did feel like the system and services let these people down, let these women down and it would really upset me. Um, But I did this job for a really long time, for years and years and years, for about 14, 15 years and I absolutely loved it. Um, In that time, I was trained as a Freedom Programme facilitator. So Freedom Programme is a domestic abuse programme that is facilitated to women who have left abusive relationships. And it's about getting them to learn about what domestic abuse is, um, getting them to feel like they're part of a community who can openly talk about it if they want to, who can get the support, who can learn about what a healthy relationship is and what an unhealthy healthy relationship is. The thing that I struggled with with the Freedom Programme is that there would be a lot of chat around physical abuse or about how everything would turn physical and I just don't agree with that and I don't agree that domestic abuse is just physical. There's so many different types of abuse out there and they're all equally horrific and every single woman's story is a story that they hold in their hearts forever And every single woman's story deserves to be heard and every single woman's voice deserves to be heard and to be acknowledged and to be respected and listened to and all have equal rights and equal opportunities. And I believe that with the police in particular and even with some domestic abuse charities, if you go to them with abuse that isn't physical, they almost are like, wow, yeah, nothing we can do about it. And it makes you feel so shite and it makes you feel like oh the perpetrator is right it is all me and maybe it isn't that bad then and you end up putting your voice down because professionals have made you feel even worse and made you feel like nah it wasn't what you think it's not as bad it's not as bad you're you're not you're not high risk and you think actually everyone is at high risk when they experience domestic abuse everyone is at high risk from the effects of it, from the aftermath of it, during it, 
you know, it, it's just, it's horrific. So everyone's story should definitely be heard. So yeah, I struggled with the Freedom Programme and I do believe it needs to be updated massively. But anyway, I loved creating impact for women and working one-to-one with them as well. So I did this work. In this time, I then met somebody else. And because this person was calm and quite quiet, I thought they were safe because I'd been used to such a volatile character. I then had a a really healthy relationship in between that, but that relationship was primarily when I was being stalked. So it wasn't, um, it wasn't kind of not true. It was true, but I think I was in such a bad time, in a bad space in that time of my life that I don't think that relationship was something that it would have been if I wasn't in that space. I hope that makes sense. I know what I'm trying to say, but I'm not sure how to say it. Um, so yeah, it, it was a very healthy relationship in the terms of that person was incredible and loving and all that, but I wasn't well. And I think he was almost somebody that made me feel safe in that period of time. Um, but actually I should have been alone. So after that healthy relationship, I then met this other person. Now this person was really calm and un- the stalking had stopped and I felt like I was in a better place and a better space. And this person was calm. They presented themselves as successful. They were quite funny. They they had like a different air about them. And it was like they were sure of themselves, but it didn't appear arrogant to start off with. As the relationship started... When I look back now, I realise the abuse started right from the word go. I just never saw it because it was very subtle. This relationship went on for about... See, I see. this is a bit... I go a bit blank with times and dates. I think it was like 10, 11, maybe even 12 years. And it was... It was coercive control. It was sexual abuse. It was financial abuse, emotional abuse, and it was a time in my life where I changed completely. When I say that, I mean my spark went, my personality changed, I withdrew, I was not confident, I did not have an opinion anymore, I was a massive people pleaser but on a whole different ball game. When I went to work, I put on a mask and I was Alessia that I used to be. But then, even then, over time, that would reduce, and I'd feel more withdrawn at work. But I'm the kind of character, kind of character, kind of person that I put on a character. That's what I used to do to cope, and I would shield a lot. The kind of stuff that would happen would be, for example, I'm not going to go into too much. I'll do that on another episode, but this person was very chauvinistic as well and would put women down massively. So for example, when I was pregnant, he said, you know, you're privileged to be allowed to go on maternity leave. And I said, what? And he said, yeah, like the fact that I'm letting you go on maternity leave is a privilege. I mean, who says that? Who says that? And at that time, there was so, when I look back, there were so many things said like that to me, but I had such a fear in sticking up for myself because of the consequence of that. If I didn't have sex with this guy, he would then not speak to me 
until I did something. And then when I did something, because I didn't want to do it, he'd then go, well, at least look like you're enjoying it. And then he'd get annoyed with me for that. And then he'd ignore me and be in a strop. And that is, that was such a, such a game. And it really messed me up. And I, I changed so much. And it wasn't until I was pregnant with my, with my third child that I, it, the ball, the ball dropped, the penny dropped and it clicked. And I thought, oh my God. And I realized, and every single light bulb came on in my head. And I thought, how have I been living like this for all these years? How did I not see this? But you don't, because when you're in that, you are manipulated and gaslit so much, you don't see it. You do not see it. And even people outside don't see it. And that's that. That's the thing. It's so difficult to prove this. Um, and the police, again, let me down. And it's just so frustrating. And the thing that I would be told is right at the start when I, when I left in lockdown with my three kids, right at the start, I was seen as a high risk only because my idva listened to me. And she was like, I don't like this at all. This actually worries me. But then when after I'd left, I was then still being controlled and I still am to this day, but I just manage it very differently. But back then I still had so much fear. I I just was let down and it was like, well, there's no, there's no real proof. I had proof in text messages and my voice wasn't, was, should have been enough proof, but in the eyes of the law and with charities, it was almost like, give me a bit of paper, tick box it, see you later. The one thing I could do was fight for my kids and they did have support and I'm really grateful for that. But I do feel let down by other people. I feel let down by the school because I don't feel that they had an understanding of domestic abuse at all. Still to this day, they don't. I feel left down by other care carers for my kids. I feel like they didn't understand it and they very much were being manipulated by him. I feel like the police didn't listen to me because they were all huddled together as a big happy family. And it was almost like just they wanted to shut me up, basically. I felt left down by the domestic abuse charity because I felt very much like, yeah, we'll give you this and this, but then that's it. And it was a text text, a, a text box um, exercise, almost like just a ticket, move on, get out. You're not high risk anymore. That's how I felt. And then this, the the other thing I felt left down by, which I still am left, left down, left, left, oh my goodness, let down by, is the fact that I had to leave that home, the family home that I owned, I had to leave it. And I had to leave it with three kids and go into another property, which I then um, had to start all over again with. He is still in that family home. Because my name is on that mortgage, I have to pay my legal bills. How wrong is that? I have to pay, as a single mum, I have to pay for my solicitor, which has been two and a half years now, um, which has been horrifically financially straining. But because my name is on a house, I have to pay those fees. So he can carry on living in a family home, three-bed house may add on his own, and just be able to get on with his life like nothing happened. Whereas I had to start again. 
I have to now fork out a bill for things because he is still, you know, we're still not divorced. We're still not financially settled. It's really frustrating. And I just feel the system is so backwards. The amount of women I have in my DMs who tell me the similar stories or other stories that they're let down by the courts or women that come forward to me and go, I don't know where else to turn. It is just unbelievable and it is so upsetting and so... I have no words because I just still can't get over that this happens in this day and age. And I want to be a voice for as many women as possible. And I saw um, some quotes by an MP called Danny Kruger. And his his quotes really shocked me. And basically what he was saying was that families need to stick together. Divorce shouldn't be an option. You should just basically stay together for the sake of the society, for the sake of the success of uh, um, society, for the sake of your friends, your children, blah, blah, blah. And that marriage is a sacred thing and it shouldn't just be done like willy-nilly, you know. But I can't quote it because I can't don't know off by heart. But I was completely and utterly shocked. And to me, that made me go, absolutely no. That is making women feel even more shit about leaving abusive relationships. Because we're already made to feel like we're a bad mother if we do it. We're already made to feel like it's a failure if you have a failed marriage, as the term is called, which I don't agree with. So therefore, having an MP say something like that, it just almost allows the perpetrators to be like, see? And it almost makes us women feel like we're trapped even more so, like, oh God, no, we do have to stay because otherwise we're a failure, otherwise we're letting everybody down. We're letting our kids down. No, absolutely not. You can leave anytime you want. You are not somebody that has to be in something that doesn't make you happy, that makes you feel unsafe. Whether you're married or not married, you should not stay in that. And your children will be so much happier when you're out of that. And that is the thing, is it's, you get through, you have so many different influences on on marriage or partnerships like oh parents family friends society media mps even perpetrators partners whatever it it is just awful and i want to change that and i want to change the voice that this mp had so i contacted him and i'm meeting him on friday so i will give you guys an update on that on my on my podcast but i am determined to put forward my view about it and to let him know that having a view like that is so small-minded, is so destroying for so many individuals who are in marriages or partnerships that are unsafe, that are sad, that are scary. I felt so guilty about going and, and it took me so many attempts to end it, so many, I can't even begin to tell you how many it took me, how many times I ended it and I would then stay. He would tell me that, well, the next time you see me, my body will be floating in the river. Right, okay. Or he'll tell me, right, well, I'm taking the kids away from you. Or he'll tell me, well, you're mentally unstable and I'll make sure everybody knows and I'll have the children take up, taken off you. Or he'll tell me, no, you move out, I keep the kids here and then you'll have to start all over again. You work full time and then I'll tell you when you can see the children and then you'll have to contribute a child maintenance to, for, for me, for them. 
I'll financially ruin you. You'll never cope without me. The amount of things he would say that would scare me. And then there was always another voice in my head that would say, no, you need to stay because this is going to mess up your kids. No, you need to stay because what's everyone going to think of you? No, you need to stay because, you know, this is what you kind of contracted to do, really. You know, marriage is forever. And it, it so many things were going on in my head that made me stay. And then when I finally broke free and then had such an aftermath of that, the trauma really hit me. My PTSD that I got from my first abusive relationship became complex PTSD and I really broke down in so many ways and I felt so let down by so many professionals. And the amount of women that I speak to you today who are still let down, who are still made to feel like their voice cannot be heard and cannot be respected, it's just on a whole different scale and it frustrates me. So I just felt called today to do a podcast on this and to anybody out there who is in a situation where they feel unsafe, who's in a situation that makes them feel sad, who feels they have no voice, who feels stuck and lost and disempowered and feels like they don't know where else to turn, please message me. I want to be somebody that can help you. And my Instagram at DEA coaching is is there my dms are always open and i want you to feel safe enough to message me and know that i am here for all of you and i'm going to try and make a change no matter what it is i'm going to try and please 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 if you're in a situation which makes you sad which makes you scared which makes you feel unsafe get out of it you have the ability to have a life that you deserve and you're worthy of. And I never believed that. Yet look at me now. I have managed to escape. I have managed to create a business and have a home that I can decorate how I want to. And I feel freedom. For the first time in years, I feel free. And it is so incredible. And I and I want to just help you get that too. So I hope you guys have taken something from this that has inspired you or empowered you or motivated you in some way. And please, please, please screenshot when you are listening and share it on your stories on Instagram, Facebook and tag me in it at DEA Coaching. Um, please connect with me. I'd love to get to know you all and um, I will speak to you guys super soon. Speak soon. Bye everyone.